answer me? Second, or will he answer Jesus first? He looks at me through Christ. Well, praise the Lord. It's indeed a great day to be alive. This is Ian Gokutian coming to you. And thank God this is life extraordinary once again. Hallelujah. Let me encourage you, if you are able to, grab a hold of your Bible and let's see some wonderful things about the Word of God. Hallelujah. And then uh, let me also ask you, kindly indulge us and help share this message as far and wide as you can. Share it on your different platforms, WhatsApp, Telegram, wherever you can. We really will appreciate that. Hallelujah. And also, I'd like to mention to you that we do have our website up and running. Uh, You can always reach us, send me a message. And of course, we have all kinds of resources on the website. And particularly as well, we do have uh, a gift for you on the website. Our website is www.faithimpactmeans.org. Faithimpactmeans, M-I-N-S. Dot org. Once again, faith impact means M-I-N-S dot org. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that we're able to reach you today. And we're going to be looking at something really, really exciting and powerful. You know, life happens to everybody. We all experience situations. We wish we had the luxury of being able to schedule our lives, schedule whatever comes our way, schedule our testings and trials or whatever the enemy may throw on our part. But unfortunately, that's not where the kind of world we live in. Life happens. You know, life throws you a curveball. And there's an enemy out there that thoroughly, thoroughly hates you and I. And of course, so we're going to be looking at, you know, something I believe will uh, you'll find useful in critical moments. That's exactly when life gets critical, in critical moments of life. Do we have something to do? Do we have something, you know, we can do? as a response or does God just leave us you know to our own whims and caprices or to our own devices well thank God Jesus said he'll never leave us nor forsake us and so today's you know the Bible is so full of examples of real people like you and I who faced challenging situations and what they did to overcome to surmount and so go with me today we're going to be reading from uh, Matthew 8 Matthew 8, and I'm going to be reading from verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. So he realized this is a centurion. This is a man who would be considered a VIP. And those centurions, you know, had soldiers under them. We're told they had, uh, you know, 100 soldiers. But actually from history, usually they had not just 100, a command of even more than that. Hallelujah. So when Jesus, we're told when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. So this is some man of authority, a man of means. So he's not, uh, you know, a peasant or somebody low in the society at all. But look, he comes to Jesus, we're told here, he comes to Jesus pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, or speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. 
And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Well, praise the Lord. This is uh, Matthew's account of this uh, story uh, about the centurion and his servant. Interestingly, uh, Luke also has his own account, and Luke's account is kind of a little bit different. And you know, when we can compare both sides of the account, we can really get quite some insight. And the Holy, we can see a number of things the Holy Spirit wants us to really learn from these stories. This critical moment that has happened here with the centurion. And so, right here in uh, Luke 7, from verse 1, when Jesus, sorry, now when he concluded all his teach or his sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Interestingly, Capernaum was one place Jesus did a lot of miracles. And we're talking, and a certain centurion's servant was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. Now, I want to bring to our attention, Matthew's account said the centurion came to Jesus. Well, Luke's account tells us that the centurion sent, you know, we're told here, a, a servant was there to him, was there to him, was sick and ready to die. Now, as we read further here, I think I went ahead of myself there, verse 3. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders. So according to Luke, he sent elders. Well, in Matthew's account, we are told he came himself. And it's kind of interesting. These are the kind of things people read and they say, well, there are contradictions in the Bible. Well, let me say something to you, to you or to say something to us. Anytime you find a contradiction or something that looks like a contradiction in the Bible, it simply reveals something you don't know. Really, the contradiction is with you, not with the Bible, not at all. As we'll come to see here, there's no contradiction whatsoever. Listen now, the Holy Ghost had Luke write it this way, verse uh, 3. So when he heard about Jesus, we are told he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. So now the question I want to ask now, who is correct? Is it Matthew or Luke? Well, the truth is they are both correct. But the, the Holy Spirit had Luke write his story this way, and Matthew write his own case, his own story, different. But the fact is, in fact, I'll tell you the exact way it happened was that the centurion sent elders of the Jews to take his petition to Jesus. Well, Matthew writes it this way, that the centurion himself came. But the actual way it happened was that he sent the elders. Now, when you send somebody and you're a person of authority like the centurion, when you send somebody, they are going in your name. And so whatever they say, it's not just them speaking, it's not them speaking, they're speaking for you. Hallelujah. You know, when Jesus said, that, you know, go in my name, cast out devils and all of that. You notice uh, Saul of Tarsus was, you know, plundering the church, attacking the church every which way, bringing persecution. And when Jesus accosted him, what did Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why persecuted? Why are you persecuting me? Yet we know it was 
the church, the body of Christ, the people of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom Jesus had sent, that he was persecuting. So there's something here the Holy Ghost is getting us to see. See, here's a man of authority. He sent some people ahead of him to take his request to the Lord. Legally, that's like him going. As we come to see, this analogy, the way it's written is so powerful because it speaks to the way the lessons we learn from the story itself. Hallelujah. It speaks to the lesson about the story. So the centurion sent the elders to go to Jesus. And they went. But Matthew, the Holy Ghost had Matthew write it this way, that he came himself. You know, when I was a kid, you know, maybe playing, having fun and all that. And uh, my mother, I'm, I'm the firstborn of uh, five of us. And my mother would send my one of my younger ones to go call me. And of course, I'm enjoying my play. And I will not want to, you know, maybe come home and eat or something like that. And I'll just tell them, come and get away from me, you know. And they tell me, mommy said, they said, go away, I'm not coming. And of course, when, when they take this, when they take what I've said back to my mom, you know what my mom will do? She comes herself. And then she would say, what did you say to that person? What did you say? And of course, by the time I see her, I'm running. And why is she coming to me? Because the person she sent, one of my younger ones, came in her name. They came based her on her authority. So whatever I said to that one, my younger one, I wasn't saying it to the younger one. I was saying it to her. Do you get that? Exactly. So the centurion sent elders. So when those elders went, taking the request of the centurion, they were going in his name. They were going in his name. Hallelujah. And like we said, this is so powerful because it really has to do with this story. And we're told here, when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that one of whom he would do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. See, the important thing here, the centurion was not the one who needed healing, but his servant needed healing. And so Jesus, and so the centurion sent elders on his behalf to go to Jesus to come heal his, his servant because he loved the servant. The servant was profitable to him. Now then Jesus, we're told here in verse 6, went with them. Isn't it interesting? We're told, the. Uh, let me bring out something here. Well, so when they came to Jesus, they begged him and as saying that one of whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. You know, isn't that something so powerful? Notice it was not the centurion that came to Jesus and said, well, you know, I built a synagogue, this and that. See, healing cannot be purchased. Healing cannot be purchased with good deeds or money or anything that we do. However, others, are you following me? Others can plead our case before the Master, before the Lord, based on how we've lived and what we've done. Hallelujah. And that can that will fly and that will stand in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. That will jive in the presence of the Lord. Are you following me? <coughs> Excuse me. Now Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not, um, not worthy that you should enter my roof. Therefore, I did not think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, King James says, speak the word, and my servant will be healed. 
Now you get something here. <coughs> when you go on behalf of one who has authority, you're carrying that authority of that person. Hallelujah. See, this also speaks to the power in the name of Jesus. When I use the name of Jesus, it's as though Jesus was doing the speaking. Hallelujah. When I say in the name of Jesus, sickness, I bind you. See, in the realm of the Spirit, legally speaking, by the divine order of heaven, it's as though Jesus was the one speaking. And whatever Jesus speaks, always comes to pass. So when I speak using the name of Jesus, like when Jesus said to us, go ye into all the world, in my name, cast out devils. When we go in his name, it's not about Ian doing something now. It's Jesus. Once I use the name of Jesus, now it's Jesus that's doing it. Hallelujah. Just like Saul of Tarsus when he was persecuting the church. Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? See, when we go in his name, he takes it personally. He takes it personal as, as though he was the one speaking. That's the legal that's the legal way it is seen in the court of heaven. So Jesus steps in there. Hallelujah. I say Jesus steps in there. Like I said, the Holy Ghost had this so written this way. To get a thought across to us. Hallelujah. Which I just said. So when we go in the name of Jesus, Jesus steps in to perform. He steps in in that critical, critical moment to do what needs to be done. And the beautiful thing about here, remember I made, I made mention just not too long ago, the centurion did not come himself and say, oh, I built the people a synagogue. No, the people that benefited from the synagogue were the ones that say, he's built us a synagogue. I say, oh, he built us a church. Here in our community, in the city, he built us a church. To your name. What are we saying here? You know, it pays to live our lives in such a way that we're blessing to others, blessing to others, so that they can, if, if, if the need ever arose, they can plead our cause and be able to, you know, if the need arose that they have to plead our cause for us in prayer or anything like that, they stand a good stead of receiving a miracle on our behalf. Do you, don't you see it right here? The servant was the one who was sick. The servant needed to be healed. But yet the servant was profitable for the centurion. The centurion sent elders, because he didn't consider himself worthy, to take his request. His request for, was, was for this his servant, who profited him, whom he loved, who blessed him. So he sent the elders of the Jews. They took the request to the master. And they said to the master, Master, this centurion, this man has been a blessing to us. He's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's built us a church. And Jesus did not argue about that. Jesus accepted that. And on the basis of that request, he came. He was on his way to heal. Hallelujah. Think about it. Christ here about it. Isn't it something here? This, as we come to see, the centurion's servant got healed, not so much because of himself, but because of the centurion. <laughs> Do you see how powerful this is? You see, God has answers for us in every critical moment, every critical situation. As you see from Matthew's account, he'd been sick, he's been paralyzed, tormented. 
Now at the point of death. That is critical. At the point of death. I mean, what, what, this guy has been, it sounds like he's been sick for quite some time. Been sicker and sicker and sicker. Now at the point of death. If he gets any sicker, what happens? He's going to die. And the, and the master, the centurion heard the master was in town. And he sent the elders to go. And the elders went. And they petitioned the master on his behalf. And the master said, I'm coming to heal him. Isn't that something? That's so powerful. One of the key things we learn here is that in every critical situation, maybe they're right there, so, well, I don't have Jesus in my city. No, you don't need to have Jesus in your city, physically, to do something for you. As you come to see here, Jesus was not physically present where healing took place. See, that speaks to the day and age that we live in. Jesus is not physically present in the world today. Yes, his spirit is here, but he's not physically present. So the fact that Jesus is not physically present is not a disadvantage. Not at all. He is just as powerful as though he was there physically. Isn't that good news? So we're looking, so the man, think about it. The centurion, verse 6, so Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy. See the humility of this man. He's a centurion. He's a law enforcement officer in that district over there. And he's saying to the master, he say, what's he saying when he says, Lord, I'm not worthy? He's recognizing the Lord. You are Lord over me. You are not a person, just an ordinary person. You are Lord. And he's saying, I am not. He said, listen, saying to him, Lord. So he acknowledges the Lord as Jesus is Lord. He said, do not trouble yourself. I'm not worthy that you should enter my, uh, under our roof. Therefore, I do not think myself worthy to come to you. But speak or say the word and my servant will be healed. Think about the faith of this man. He said, speak the word and my servant will be healed. So the centurion understood. Jesus did not have to be there physically. For healing to take place. Just in your critical situation. Jesus does not have to be there physically. You don't actually have to hear an audible voice concerning Jesus. You can take the words of the Lord Jesus, his name, and address that situation. Be it of sickness, a work situation, a threatening situation, an emergency, whatever critical situation. You can take the name of Jesus and address that situation. Command the enemy to take his hands off of whatever he's trying to do, whatever his maneuvers are, and claim your healing, claim your miracle, whatever you need. Hallelujah. So speak the word only. I hope you're seeing something here. Jesus is not praying about the situation. He does, he's not praying about it. He, he does not utter one word of prayer. I'm not saying prayer is wrong. Prayer is necessary. But we fail to realize something that the word, the command of faith is just as powerful as prayer. And in some instances, probably more powerful. See, you can speak the word directly to the situation. Because when we're praying, we're telling God to do something for us on our behalf. But in some situations, we need to do the speaking ourselves. You need, maybe the enemy is the one, you know, doing his havoc, 
Command him to stop in the name of Jesus. Be it on the finger with your family, on the job, whatever the situation is. Command him in the name of Jesus. So speak the word only and my servant will be healed. He was a definite word, the centurion said. And my servant will be healed. A certain word. Not ifs or buts. Hallelujah. Dear friend, you see this. Oh my goodness. It's so interesting the way the Lord responds. He says, I'm also, the, the, the centurion said, I'm also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I saw to this one go and he goes, and to this one come and he comes. Oh my goodness. And I said to, I said to this one go and he goes, and to another come and he comes, and to myself and do this and he does it. You see, do you see why the Holy Ghost had this story written like this? Because it's, a, it's about authority. The centurion is acting on authority. He's on, it's showing us the power of authority and the spoken word. So when they went, the elders went on behalf of the centurion. They went on account of his authority, so to speak. They brought his requests. Hallelujah. There's a man of authority. So the same way, think about it. The Lord has delegated authority unto us. Go! See, when he was raised from there, he said, All power, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go! That authority he delegated to you and I. And ever since, that, ever since Jesus rose up from the dead, he's not used that authority one time. He's not used it one time. That authority is vested in you and I. Is vested in the church. If you don't use that authority, it will not be used. If you don't use it in your situation, it will not be, will not be used. The enemy cannot resist that authority in the name of Jesus. Friend, use that authority right now in this situation where you are right now. Be, oh, they're talking about the economy being so terrible. Things will, hyperinflation, thing, you know, people losing their jobs and not being able to pay bills. No, the resources you need for your bills are here. Yes, and especially we've been speaking the word and speaking the word and it looks like it's not working. Don't let that deter you. Keep speaking it. It's working. It's working. Hallelujah. It's working. Oh, dear friend, I'm going to have to pick up from here again next time. Thank you so much for letting me come into your space. But I want you to keep speaking that word. Jesus said it. Go in his name. Use his name as a weapon and keep speaking that name. Hallelujah. Dear friend, go in the name of Jesus. Take authority over sickness. Take authority over your body. Take authority over any situation where you see the enemy working. Take authority. Hallelujah. I really love to hear from you. And please let me invite you. Visit our website. Faith Impact Mints. M-I-N-S. That's Faith Impact Mints. M-I-N-S dot org. Love to hear from you. Thank you so much. As you've been a number of you have been reaching out to us. And keep sharing that word. Love to hear your testimonies. God is a good God. We are living in ex exciting times. When the world is shouting about chaos and defeat and misery, you and I are going to be shouting the joys of heaven and experiencing the goodness and the boldness of God. God bless you. Keep on keeping on. It's indeed a great day to be alive. 
Blessings. <laughs>